0: Welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra, I'm Nick Cady, I'm here with Michael Payne, and this is the weekly video where we sit down and we discuss a little further on this past Sunday sermon from Whitefields Community Church. So currently we're in a series called Upside Down, which we're studying through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. We are in 2nd Thessalonians right now, one of the least studied books of the Bible, we found out, and so it's been exciting, encouraging, uh, but I think I know why it's one of the least studied books in the Bible, and the reason is because of this chapter we just studied this past Sunday. Uh, Mike shared the message. And um, you talked about, wow, a couple really, I don't know if I want to say controversial, but things that people have a lot of uh, questions about and maybe not a lot of answers, maybe more uh disagreements on these things than there are agreements amongst Christians. Now, we we understand that these are not primary things, right? These are things regarding the end times, return of Jesus, the Antichrist, and um, things like that. And so these are areas where there's room for Christians to uh, agree to disagree or to have opinions and maybe have like what we might call like um, collegial debates, right? Like we can discuss these things as family, and then we'll find out what happens. Um, but I think it is good for us to study these things and come to conclusions and try to understand them best we can. Uh, so there were a couple of things you talked about this Sunday from the text. The text deals with what we might call, you know, in our common vernacular, the Antichrist. In the text, doesn't actually call him the Antichrist. He's called the uh, Son of Perdition, the Man of Lawlessness. And then there was one other issue, which we're going to talk about after that. But um, you studied a lot on this topic of the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition. Um, I know that there are several different interpretations on this. There are some people who view it as a government system, other people who view it as a, an individual. Where did you land after your study?
1: Um, well, yeah. Yeah one of the things that makes maybe a chapter like this difficult to teach is just the amount of reference that you need. It's not one of those you just kind of, it's, everything's kind of included. It's definitely kind of an all Bible kind of thing. Like you really need to have some kind of understanding, a little bit of Daniel, a little bit of revelation, you know, and just kind of an overall picture, you know, when you come to this, I mean, I almost felt like it was an episode of Stranger Things, you know, all the, all the things, the weird things you'd want, not want to say in church you know for new people all in the same chapter and <laughs> one of course is the is the antichrist or the the lawless one and the man of, uh, you know the man of sin the son of perdition and uh, so yeah a lot of various and it depends on what direction you end up hitting this particular text and one of the interesting things i found is a lot of people a lot of the different uh you know camps that you know look you know whether you're post tribulation pre tribulation preterist futurist historical whatever it is everybody seems to use have the same proof text for their for their particular position mm-hmm. and so which makes it kind of kind of difficult in that sense so you usually have a framework from which you're working and then you use these some of these texts maybe to fill in the pieces but um, yeah so the two two prevailing thoughts on this of course for the the man of lawlessness um, some some kind of believe that he you know it's kind of a you know evil it's like an evil institution um you know as i as i mentioned you know many believed it was the papacy you know they pointed a, a lot of protestant commentators said this is, it was the succession of popes um in the 1300s there was there was an emperor and a pope that traded calling each other the Antichrist. In the Counter-Reformation, uh, the Catholics called Luther the Antichrist. And so it's, um, you know, it, this term has been thrown around, you know, as far as that before. For me, I think the plain text and the kind of where I fell with it is it's a he. Uh, I think in, especially, you know, in the prophecies in Daniel, and Daniel's chapter 9, uh, it refers to a he. Um, I think Revelation seems to point to a he as well. The plain reading seems to uh, uh, point to a he as well. So I kind of thought this is an individual mm-hmm. that will be prepared for this time. And, you know, when it's, you know, when it's his time, he will be revealed in, in, in the end times. And we don't know who it is. I don't think we necessarily need to know, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I I'm I kind of fell on the idea. It's a, it's a he, a person.
0: Yeah. So I was talking about this with a friend of mine, uh, yesterday, and he was telling me, and he's a he's a pretty big Bible, you know, commentator, and knows his Bible really well. And I asked him what he thought about this, and he said, "What makes this chapter unique, and why he lands on the same conclusion you do, is because this is not apocalyptic literature. Mm-hmm. So whereas you might look at Daniel, or you might look at Jesus's." Um, The Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25, you might look at Revelation. These are all examples of apocalyptic speech or literature, whereas Paul, this is a letter. This is prosaic, and uh, interestingly, nowhere else in Pauline corpus or Pauline literature are you going to find an example of him using the male pronoun he um, to depict a government system, Mm -hmm. right? So he's writing to them, in other words, in plain language. Like being super clear. This is not meant to be cryptic. Uh, This is meant to be very clear. And so that's why this person said uh, that consideration alone leads him to read this uh, as a kind of a straight reading. When it says there will be a man, there'll be a son, there'll be a he. Uh, It's Probably referring to an individual,
1: and Judas was referred to as as the son of perdition right. as well, and he was an individual, and unfortunately, he you know he was referred to by the same title, you know, so that also kind of led me to believe that it's a he.
0: You know? Yeah, interesting. One last point because all of the controversy got put in this chapter, and I'm glad uh, you were teaching it. So, no, I would have been happy to teach it too, but it it was uh, there's this verse at the end that says that. Uh, to those who are perishing, God will send them a great delusion. What's your take on that?
1: Well, it's a very interesting text, and, and it's it's one, if you just read that in there, and you really have no context for, for God, who God is, I think, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's, it's difficult. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false and then perish, and they'll be condemned. Um and, you know, this is kind of one of those things where you then ha- you have to zoom out. You have to take a wider you know, look at Scripture. And I think the first question for me when I looked at that is I say, who is God? So who is God? And I needed to find that first and then take that definition and apply it to the text. So who is God? Well, Second Peter 3, 9 says that he is he, he desires that none should perish and that, that all should come to repentance and that his, you know, that his promises are not slack as, as others would call slackness, you know. He's long-suffering. I really, the King James, New King James, use that word, long-suffering. You know, he is he, very patient. And so that's that's your first picture of God. You know, Romans five ten. We were enemies and he died for us. We were, you know... We were enemies. We were running the opposite direction from God's will, and He yet He provided a way of salvation for us. So you read that, and that's just a couple texts. So that's kind of who's God. John three sixteen. Everybody knows it. You know, those are just a couple texts to kind of define who God is, mm-hmm. and then you apply that to the text. You say, well, th- this is not God's will. This is not His desire that these people. So what? It, what is it? You know, and you think about Pharaoh. It says, you know, you, you go into to. The, look at the plagues, and this plague happened. Pharaoh hardened his heart. The next plague, he hardened his heart. The next plague, he hardened his heart. And then, at some point, it says, "The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart." And you're like, "Well, that's not unfair, you know? But that's, you know, that's not fair. Why did, why did God do that?" Well, as the text says, these people are perishing. They believed the, they believed the lie. You know, they, they've wanted, they, they said, "My will be done, my will be done." And God finally said, "Okay, you're." Your will be done. And you know, I think Romans one points that out to us. These know, they wanted they, they chose they they chose a lie over God and God said gave him over to an abased mind. And and so I think at some point, you know, the clock's gonna run out, you know, for for for, for these things. And I think that's kind of what we're reading right now. God's desire is not that he's his church is in there, his holy spirit is in the world prodding, poking people's hearts. Uh, the gospel is out there. The good news is out there. God is speaking through his spirit to people's lives. And at one point, that's just going to stop, you know? And and I think that's what we're reading here.
0: Well, the way this friend of mine put it was, uh, I thought, very succinct and very powerful. He said, um, he goes, it's not that somebody out there is going to be like, I want to believe the truth. I want to believe the truth. And God says, no, you get a delusion, right? No, it's not going to be that. It's going to be, uh, somebody has made up their mind that they, uh, have rejected the truth that they don't want it. And the ultimate form of judgment is when God ultimately gives you what you want. And, uh, which is tragic, sad. We should never think about that glibly, right? We always talk about Judgment with a tear in our eye and a quiver in our voice because uh, we want to be used by God to help people um, receive the grace and the mercy that is available in Jesus Christ. Mm, Totally, yeah. Hey, thank you for joining us this week. Tune in every week and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, You can click the bell button there and then you will get a notification every time we upload a video each week so you can keep notified and you can share these with your friends. We'd love for you to do that. Um, Leave us a rating on iTunes podcasts. Uh, if you do that, and the Apple Podcasts, that will help other people discover our content. Uh, if you found it helpful, we would love it if you would do that. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon. God bless.